Happy Monday, Liberty Kitties, and welcome back to the Flagship Lions of Liberty podcast. Today, you'll be hearing some audio that I captured at the recent Sayulita Super Spreader event put on by my friend Johnny Perfida of the Peddling Fiction podcast. Uh, But first, I got to tell you about another friend of mine. His name is Mikkel Thorup. He is the host of the Expat Money Show, and he is giving away something to you for free. Now, Mikkel has become one of the absolute, but not one of, let me be honest. He is the absolute best resource I have found over the years in regards to uh, not just the expat lifestyle and moving overseas, but even just moving assets overseas uh, and protecting those assets. Because after the last year and a half, 18 months, if you're not thinking about some change in your life, something to protect yourself a little bit more, I don't know what to tell you. But Mikhail has put together a little pamphlet, a free report, 19 International Strategies to Protect and Grow Your Wealth. When you read this report, you will have the knowledge to let yourself sleep like a baby no one will ever be able to raid your personal little Fort Knox. You'll be able to safeguard and grow multi-generational wealth for your loved ones, for your children, and you're going to make creditors terrified to even look at your personal assets because you're going to be so freaking rock solid. Mikkel, again, number one source of knowledge for how to best protect your your wealth and to do so uh, through overseas assets. So I really want you to go, obviously, you got to listen to the Expat Money Show. Mikkel does a killer job every single Wednesday, but you really got to go download this free report Again, it's free. Cost you nothing. Just head over to expatmoneyshow.com slash lions and get this free report today. Again, and just called 19 International Strategies to Protect and Grow Your Wealth. It is free. Expatmoneyshow.com slash lions. We need to empower people with not just the philosophical tools, but the inspiration to break free from the system. Welcome to the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly dose of education, inspiration, and real-world application from the top minds in the liberty movement. If you want liberty, we need to be better leaders, better husbands, better fathers, better friends, better businessmen. We need to be better people. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. All right, bienvenidos, my Liberty Kitty Cats. So like I mentioned at the top there, you are going to be hearing some audio from Sayulita, Mexico at the Sayulita Super Spreader, Sayulita? Sayulita, Sayulita Super Spreader event um, that was uh, back on December 10th to 12th in Sayulita, Mexico. And I just want to say, Johnny Perfida of Peddling Fiction. First of all, if you're not listening to Peddling Fiction, what are you doing? Johnny does an amazing job uh, with his podcast and he did an incredible job putting this event together on very short notice. He kind of just decided it almost on the fly a few months ago, putting together an event for his supporters. And it kind of turned into uh, just an awesome Liberty affair. It was so much fun uh, hanging with some people that I had known, but not ever met in person. Uh, Robbie, the fire Bernstein, who's the first person you'll hear on this podcast being one of them got to meet Clint Russell, Liberty lockdown for the first time. Uh, Also got to hang with Buck Johnson, who I had met previously in Austin. You'll be hearing him on this show today. Uh, just to preface a little bit, this was, uh, you know, the Lions, the Lions go hard. <laughs> we go hard at Liberty Events, whether it's an LNC, whether it's a Porkfest. Uh, we we see them as not just podcasting opportunities, uh, friendship making opportunities. Let's be honest. We kind of see them as party opportunities as well. This was uh, quite an affair, quite a party. Uh, my podcast, you know, because we're operating on Mexican time. I'm allowed to say that, by the way. I married into a Mexican family. I'm allowed to say these things. And Mexican time is a really, is a very real thing. Uh, so, 
uh, my podcast, by the time it started, it was a couple hours behind schedule. So uh, let's just say I had had a few and you'll probably be able to notice, you'll probably be able to hear it in my laugh. Uh, I can definitely hear my drunken laughter when, re- when reviewing this audio. So uh, just keep that in mind. <laughs> keep that filter in mind that uh, I probably on, on maybe my fourth or fifth hour at this point. <laughs> so uh, hopefully that is, uh, well, I don't know about hopefully, but it is reflected in the podcast either way. Uh, that being said, you're going to hear a number of voices here. First up, you're going to be hearing Robbie the Fire Bernstein. Then you're going to be hearing from my friends James Guzman, who is uh, does the Borderless blog and podcast, as well as Jonathan Lockwood. Both of them live in San Miguel de Allende here in Mexico. I was able to meet them in person a few weeks before the Sayulita Super Spreader as well. Uh, had a blast having them on the show. Then you're also going to hear from Buck Johnson, like I mentioned, of Counterflow. And finally, Anthony Samaroff, my friend from the Scottish Liberty podcast. Uh, they are all coming at you right now. And then the podcast is just going to have started at some point, and right. we'll never know when that is until I let it later on. I like the vibe of, hey, did this thing start? I'm yeah. not even sure. I'm a fan of that. Actually, to plug my friends from Timeline Earth, that when I went on their show and I realized that their format is that we... we I don't even know the show's happening and we're just talking. And then at some point I'm like, is the show starting at some point? Or like, Oh yeah, we'll figure out when that was later. Like that happened maybe 20 minutes ago. Probably my single worst experience podcasting. I hope the guy doesn't hear this cause I'll feel bad. Guy has me on. Are you gonna name him. What? You should name him. No, I'm not going to name him. Name names. We are here with friends. We no, are here no, in Sayulita. No like, one's listening except 25 people. It's very good company. Guy works in tech for 45 minutes. We're having an awesome conversation about tech censorship and everything that's going on. And then he goes, okay, I'm going to start the episode now. <laughs> like, like, that was my best stuff. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? We just did 45 minutes of interesting shit. You recorded shit. none of that? And he's like, well, I work in tech. I can't put out any of that. And then <laughs> I had to spend an hour pretending like I wasn't furious at him. <laughs> just a full hour of smiling. Oh, it was, it was terrible. I like that kid. He's a nice kid, but that was a train And you wreck. still will not name him, just to be clear. No, I'm not going to. He's, okay. a, nice, he's right. a nice guy. I'm not All right, Tech Well, we are here at Lions of Liberty. Welcome to Sayulita, everybody. Thank you to Johnny for sort of putting an event together, but there are people here, <laughs> and that's what we're happy about. Uh, so I'm here now with Robbie the Fireburn scene. You may have heard him earlier, seen him earlier, if you're awake around 1030 or 11 with Peddling Fiction. Um, but here we are, Robbie. Now, I did your podcast once, and it was an absolute thrill. Yeah, uh, and I remember beforehand, you said prep is for the week. <laughs> I believe I said that exactly. And you just yes. went for it. Now, I, I tend to plan out my po- – like, have you ever had a dud where you went in with nothing and came out with nothing? Well, I mean, early on, I used to really plan my podcast out. I used to write down, like, 20 questions I would ask, but it would throw me off because I would feel like I had to go in certain yeah, directions. Yeah, to the script. So I had – I mean, I've never not – only one time did I not air a podcast that I recorded. Because it was so bad. Because it was so bad. What went wrong? It was, it was actually this, I don't even remember the organization. It was some drug legalization organization. And the guy that I connected with was a super nice guy. We were emailing back and forth. And then when we did this show, he had answers for questions, but they were like the answers from the website. They were just uh, like, it was okay. literally felt like he was reading the answers. And I was so unhappy with it. And before I could even, I was thinking about what should I do with this? And he emailed me and said, hey, sorry about yesterday. I went to the company party last night and got hammered. And I've also never done a podcast before. And I know I was, and I was literally reading answers because I couldn't even think straight. And I was like, I can totally relate to that. We can be friends now. And then we redid the podcast and it was fine. Oh, that's hilarious. You actually gave him a redo. I did. Yeah. Because I I, I can understand getting way too fucked up to have your brain work properly. (laughs) Similarly to right here, right now. I love that you can respect as long as you'll cop to your alcoholism. That's all I ask. Like in your book, you're like, you cop to it. We're on the same page. That's all right. 
We're not playing games here anymore. We're just laying it all on the table. And I can respect that. I can. A little risky. It's a little risky asking this question, but I am just kind of curious. How many people here have actually heard of Lions of Liberty before in their lives? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. For those just listening, that was everybody, everybody here. And for those here, uh, it was the same. So, yeah. <laughs> but, Robbie, um, we talked about this earlier. I don't prepare for podcasts or anything like that. And I don't you know, wear so. clean pants for them. So, you know, that's no, I the did, professionalism. You still, okay, you have shoes on now. I noticed earlier when you were on with uh, Johnny, you were just wearing socks. I found it very impressive to well, do a, a shoeless podcast. I've never done that. I do my podcasts in my house. And I, for some reason, I always feel like I have to put shoes on because I'm going to work. I, so, you know, uh, I feel like I have to formalize it somehow. I like that we were, you know, out of the living room. So I was like, I'll take advantage of that. Also, I can't smell since Corona. So if my feet smell, that's their problem. Is that true? Or is that a gag? You really no, still I'm can't a, smell? I'm at, I'm at about 10%. How far away are you from when you had it? Uh, it's got to be five this or six. Is the Samaroff time or the other time? <laughs> it's got to be five or six months by now. It was like August. I like how people publicly call out Anthony Samaroff constantly for spreading COVID to them. You do it. Stefan Gintella like did it on my podcast. Scott Horton did it at the Tom Woods event. <laughs> you, this is either an elaborate joke or he really is the no, super he, spreader. No, no, he did it. He was the super spreader. Uh, absolutely. He was there with the flu and said, it's okay. I'll just hang out. And then we all found out when we got sick that he gave us Corona. Just give so. me a hug, brother. I can't do it. That's a, that's a terrible. I'm sorry but for butchering this. You missed how Scottish. retarded I am because a second ago I said it's been at least six months and then I said it was August. Yeah, I don't do math. I'm yeah, not, all right. Fair that's enough. Not, that's not my thing here. So we're both retarded. But uh, I guess you only touched on this earlier. You had a little bit of a fiasco trying to get the passport and all that stuff to get to, get to Mexico. I take it you're not a frequent outside the country traveler. No, 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 no. And it wasn't so much a is fiasco. Is that because of the AIDS or is that just a different... <laughs> yeah, some countries won't let you in. Right, that's what I... Uh, yeah, they, yeah they, okay. they find out that you're... They take uh, one look at you. Yeah. They, I heard an OGs. I've already offended someone with you. It's one of his own jokes about himself. It's okay. Uh, no, Unless they, one of you guys has AIDS, then I am sorry. They know that, that you're that there to have sex with their men. <laughs> and so they don't want you distributing their AIDS within their country. So, yeah, I've, I've been screened for that. <laughs> uh, no, the passport was surprisingly not as painful as I thought. I'm just really don't like taking care of things. Right. And so I was real panicked about having to go to FedEx and fill out forms. So it just took me a while. Okay. Yeah. So it was just me being a putz. How, uh, how has Mexico been treating you so far? Uh, well, I've been tripped by uh, the streets here. I Literally. Was trying, yeah, I was trying to come back with drinks and I apparently don't have balance. So I fell and I lost all my beverages. But other than that, I like Mexico. Okay. I Are mean, their streets need some work. The I, I feel work. like I can handle walking. I'm usually pretty practiced on that. I don't trip all that often, but mm. one trip back from town with supplies, and I didn't make it. And when you say supplies, did you visit the pharmacy? Yeah, yeah, I got uh, I got Ritalin for everybody tonight. Ritalin party. <laughs> Hell yeah! I wanted to get uh, the uh, um, the ketamine, yeah. but they only had if. It was a two, two for to. one deal they had. No, the problem with the ketamine was you had to do it heroin style, and that was too much for me. In the store, too. They have to watch you do it. No, like you could do the – like if they had the nasine, nasaline spray or whatever, I would have been down. But I wasn't bringing back fucking needles in a, in a stand for everybody to get on the same drip. <laughs> you know, I like giving people A's the old-fashioned way by putting my dick in their asshole. Right, right. That is how I'm you not it. into this needle-sharing shit. That's not what I'm about. Yeah. 
So, Robbie, I, I got to ask, are, were you embarrassed about this event? Because the other day on the on part of the problem, you kind of glossed over it. You said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to Mexico, and then I'm going to Albany, going to here, going to Syracuse. And Dave actually had to jump in and really emphasize that this was a, this is a fucking event. This is not another stop on the Robbie the Fire Tour. What's, what's going on, Robbie? I was setting up the bit, dude. That's okay, how good right, I am at comedy. Yeah. I knew so this is all coordinated. I want to oh, see yeah. how the sauce is made here. Absolutely. Okay. No, I knew he would grab that, and then we'd have some fun with it. Okay. Yeah. I promoted... How dare you accuse me of non-promotions? <laughs> Go listen to Run Your Mouth. I've been saying that you get drunk. We talked about this before the show is the funny thing. This is all part of the bit. It's always part of the bit. No, I'm a, I'm a good promoter. Don't you say otherwise. NFTs. Get your NFTs, everybody. I'll plug anything. I work sales. I'll shill it. What else do you got? I'll plug it right now. <laughs> what was that? What the fuck is that? You have your own blockchain? Don't buy his blockchain. That's a bad idea. I don't trust the way he's uh, done his facial hair. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm sure you. I'm sure you've got a wonderful blockchain. What is your blockchain? <laughs> it's That's called, your blockchain. How rich is this guy? Can we get him to fund the event next year? Anyone know? <laughs> you never fucking know with random liberty people. It's like, do they just have one computer in their house and they're claiming, or is this guy like the Ethereum dude? And I just don't know it. No, but seriously, could you fund the event next year? <laughs> <laughs> we, we really I, no seriously how rich are you I want to know <laughs> not your keys not your coins not your uh, keys damn it what the fuck does that mean I think that's his way of saying you can't have my money dude oh okay that <laughs> that's, was like a that's twist. nerd talk for don't touch my shit and don't take my <laughs> stuff Robbie that was like a weird twist on don't ask don't tell <laughs> <laughs> so Robbie when are you going to break away all, all together when are you going to be done with this Dave the, Dave the Smith guy or whatever where are you going to go I'm, I'm, this albatross around your neck when are we going to have <laughs> Just the Robbie the Fire tour beast that doesn't need to go to a sales job, doesn't yeah. need to talk to this other Jew guy half the week. I mean, when, when are we going to really see you break out? I feel like you're on the verge. I'm not. Uh, where am I going? I got the best scene in the house when Dave podcasts. I'm trying to ride those coattails to the end, dude. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not quitting part of the problem. Uh, you know, maybe I'll scale back or demand a better contract. But that would be. Yeah, yeah be you know what? I take it back. I am leaving the show. Come January 2022. <laughs> you hear that, Dave? <laughs> Are you a Patreon uh, subscriber, or else you won't hear this? Unless he ponies up on my contract renewal. You know, I never even liked doing this show. Uh, you know, you got you to play hard to get. Dave, I'm, I'm, I'm putting you on notice. Uh, no, but I, th this is the most promising run I've done yet. I just sold out uh, in Denver, which I, I've never done. Sold out this joint. Yeah, I mean, this is a full living room, dude. <laughs> well, I mean, we got people with their own crypto here. That's the reach we got. <laughs> we got the Lotus guy, all right? We're yeah. good. Anyone, can someone go look up Lotus and let me know? <laughs> like, should we be really nice to be or just kind, okay, sort of nice? Yeah, exactly. It's like a hot chick. Do they have a girlfriend or not? Is he rich or How not? How much I friends with know. him should I really be? Yeah, exactly. I'm, that, that is who I am as a human being. <laughs> Wait, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, when you're going to get off Dave's coattails. <laughs> No, but I want to line up more. I'm hoping next year to be doing different cities every weekend. As long as I can, you know, do shows, make enough money to get to the net, like, I'm, I'm down. Like, that's what I like Has to do. Has that always been your goal, to be slightly serious, like, to, to transition to comedy full-time? As Yeah, are you kidding me? Like, yes, 100%. What, you don't want to go work for some asshole no, all day? No, no, you no, just no, tell no, jokes? No, I, I feel I feel very fortunate from, because, like, there was a time in my life where I used to restock vending machines. I'd basically... 
I, I, I lied to my parents, told them I had graduated from college and then did another two years there that I paid for. Right. Then I left and I had a GPA of like two. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even think there are any decimals there. I think it might have been like just an, an even two. Uh, yeah. We didn't even know we had this score. <laughs> and so I, I like I, you know, I and I also graduated during the last recession. So I had a couple of miserable years where I really couldn't make money. So I feel very fortunate to like have figured out sales and to be able to kind of like make a living on my own schedule. But it's not what I enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so I feel really fortunate that like there's something I'm decent enough at that I can lie to people on phones. and They'll give me money. (laughs) Uh, So that's a nice thing. Uh, All three of you guys were customers at one point. (laughs) Wait, that was (laughs) it. We didn't get value out of that part of the problem, Matt? No, I'm kidding. I'm absolutely kidding. Honestly, one of the best investments we ever had was advertising on part of the problem. Absolutely. Buck said said it worked out. That's your job for you, but. Yeah, uh, no, but I, I hope to be full time comedy. Also, because uh, I'm competitive, and I think you got to specialize. So mm-hmm. I feel somewhat bitter about whatever hours of my day don't go into like stand up or podcasting. So you will you want to niche down to only selling extremely narrowly pointed at and libertarian nerd type podcasts? Yeah, I, no, advertising space. I just want to sell zero, man. I just want to you know get on the road, talk about my dick, and get paid for it. That's it. <laughs> And that's the dream, ladies and gentlemen. That yeah. is the dream. All right. Well, I'm going to do a bit of like a, a carousel kind of Hell episode yeah. here. So that's my nice way of saying, Robbie, your time is up. Thank you, for, thank you very much. Give it up for Robbie the Firebird scene, everybody. <laughs> Who do we got next? So many. I'm, I'm just going to kind of point fingers and bring people up randomly. Is that cool with you all? Uh, Jonathan. Jonathan Lockwood. Why don't you come up? Where, where's your little buddy? <laughs> your little buddy. James. Bring, the, bring, the, bring Gilligan. Skipper and the Gilligan. Come on. Come on up. <laughs> You guys get to share a mic. This is Jonathan Lockwood, everybody. Has hey. everyone met Jonathan Lockwood? James is on his way. He's on his 17th glass of wine today. And I know because I was with him for 14 of them. So I'm quite aware of the situation. You can grab a chair. Or you can stand there. I don't care what you do, to be honest. Yeah, James is giving a talk later, and that's like seven hours away still. So we're going to see how... Th- that's why I wanted to get him up now. Because we may or may not make it there. But... um. These gentlemen both live in Mexico. I've lived in Mexico for the last three months or so, but they've lived in Mexico for many, many years each. Uh, how long for you, Jonathan, you, since you have the mic? Just about eight at this point. Eight, okay. And James? Yeah, eight or nine, yeah. Awesome. So what, I know this stuff because I've talked to you personally, but what brought you guys to Mexico? Again, Jonathan has the mic, so you get to go first. 2012, I came to the conclusion shit was going to hit the fan in the United States. I didn't know it would take the form it did in the last couple of years, but... Had lunch with my daughter in Phoenix where we lived, and I said, I'm going to take steps to leave the United States. She tells me to this day, she started to cry. She said, I had two thoughts going on at the same time. Number one, oh my God, my dad's a nut. Number two, oh my God, my dad could be right. Mm -hmm. And she just two weeks ago left LA, and she's living with us in San Miguel de Allende in central Mexico. Why isn't she here? Because you want to keep her safe. (laughs) Emotionally, I mean. James. Man, well, uh, yeah, so I came to Mexico uh, probably was about 10 years ago, and that was because it was a job opportunity. I used to write for the Dollar Vigilante, and uh, that, that was the reason that I came to Acapulco, and it was actually uh, a blast. When do I first do you want to tell me your story? That You don't have to, but you did tell me a more personal version of why you left Acapulco earlier, not to put you on the spot. It was just, it was but. not... Uh, sustainable you know how i was living and like i wasn't things can get a little wild and crazy there yeah 
Yeah, but it was fun in my mid twenties. But yeah. So. All right, fair enough. That's as deep we're gonna go, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot juicier before, but I, I respect it now. <laughs> Jonathan, you. Uh, when we met for the first time in person a couple weeks ago, you were kind of telling me a little bit about your upbringing and how you kind of grew up in what you described to me as a cult and how that sort of helped you view what's been happening over the last year or half or two. Do you want to delve that, into that? This is where I put everyone's personal lives on the spot. The that theme. was, the, that was the thing. For me, 2005, I woke up. I was 38, 39, uh, came to realize that I had been born into the third generation of an apocalyptic religious cult. In my case, that was Jehovah's Witnesses in Spanish, Testigos de Jehová. Um, and uh, That one sounds way cooler. Yeah. That one I'd be in. So it took me a while to wake up. It's very difficult to explain to somebody how that can happen and what it's like. It's very disquieting. I lost my whole family. My father's and parents are still alive, 89, 87. I'm the youngest of four kids, aunts, uncles, cousins, uh, nieces, nephews. Uh, none of them will see or speak to me for no bad thing that I did just because I said I no longer regard this organization as being what it claims to be. And so they will not talk to me anymore. Um, it was a few years after that that I started seeing all of this bullshit. It's all over the place. Uh, authoritarianism, you know, indoctrination. And I had a real thirst for logic. And then I just kept rolling, you know, and so... Yeah, this is what woke me up to the idea that there is no need for authoritarian involuntary government uh, in the same way as there is no need for an authoritarian involuntary religion forcing you to uh, follow their dictates. And I think one thing you touched on there that really stands out is like the way you were shunned just from not anything you did, but just from not believing in the same things or practicing the same things. And that I think a lot of us here can probably relate to that, whether it's not taking a vaccine, not putting on a mask or what have you, where it's, it's so it's, it's beyond just offensive or regular political offense that we might be used to have before these last few years. It's actually offending people at their base level because it is such, it's a belief system and it's, what do you want to call it, the church of woke a phrase that's been, you know, kind of out there lately or, or whatever. But when you look at it as you've been able to, I think because you grew up that way, from a religious context, it, it may, it actually does make sense now. Right. And that's the only way it will make sense. So a lot of people are confused by it. They don't understand why their family's reacting this way. But when you see it as a religious thing, it actually makes complete sense. And the fact that it makes no sense is what makes sense about it. At that yeah. point. Religion is just sort of everywhere. And when I say that, understand I have a lot of very close friends who are very religious people. And uh, it doesn't have to be nuts like that, but it often can be, you know. And so, yes, it's the same things that force my mother to say, but Jonathan, if I talk to you, your brothers and sisters won't talk to me and crying. Uh -huh. And, you know, I mean, it's authoritarianism. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing. There are just so many people, whether they realize it or not, they're responding to this idea that we need these guys up here telling us how many bites to take, how many times to chew it, how to do this, how to do that. We don't need them. Mm -hmm. You can want them if you want. But there is absolutely no uh, need for these motherfuckers. And uh... easy pop with cursing. Too easy. Come on. Uh, why do you guys think you guys have both been in San Miguel? Like, why do you think San Miguel has become such a hub for expats? Like, there's not a sign that says come here, but it has been a place that a lot of people from other countries, particularly gringos like us, have kind of have, have a sort of roam towards. So why yeah. is that? 
Well, it, it, it's an easy place to go to. You know, it's got like uh, the first stop that you're going to go to. If, if you don't know a lot of Spanish, it's a way that you can uh, come to Mexico and, you know, uh, you can somewhat, you know, you can live without uh, completely immersing yourself in like Mexican culture. Um, but the idea that uh, expats are just like taking over the city, I don't, I don't think is correct. I mean, we probably no, have five, ten percent of the populations maybe expat. I mean, you can go to certain bars and clubs, uh, you know, that where there's going to be a lot of uh, Americans. But if you don't want to, then you don't have to. I mean, if you go to Centro, it's normally all Mexicans there. So yeah, I think uh, you know, it just depends on what the, uh, you want. If you want like the beach, this type of weather, this is phenomenal out here. Also, San Miguel, you know, if you're if you're raising kids, I think that that's one thing that a lot of people uh, that come there or, you know, maybe they're planning on having kids uh, that they have like homeschooling uh, networks and all this type of stuff uh, more than there are at the beach. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it just depends on what you want, uh, what uh, what you're looking for. What do you guys find is the reaction to the local population in San Miguel to just a large amount of what in the U.S. you might call immigrants uh, coming in? And right. I don't know if you you wouldn't say taking over, but there's a large percentage, I would say. Do they do they see that as like a threat to their culture at all? Or is it more just like we're happy to have you here? Mi casa es tu casa as is pretty much my experience everywhere I go in Mexico. Yeah. yeah. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, let's ask, let's ask the expert. She's your wife. She might be slightly biased, but... <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Very short translation is we do hate them, but we, we appreciate the money. No, <laughs> no, but they appreciate it. You know that like that the, they understand the way the economy works, especially in a place like San Miguel. Yeah, uh, and it's not just international tourism; it's actually a lot of national tourism th- these days. Af- with the uh, uh, after 2019, it's actually you know a lot of people don't understand that there's a lot of people like Mexicans. That have a shitload of money. Yeah. Like, they're fucking rich-ass Mexicans, right? And so they're the ones that are spending a lot of money in San Miguel and places like this. Uh, but also, inter- internationalism, uh, international uh, tourism has been cut down a little bit. So, yeah. Uh, this has been going on at San Miguel de Allende since the 40s. Hmm. So no one really it's is alive today who remembers a time when that town wasn't full of Mexicans and Canadians and Americans mm. and Europeans, you know, so they're used to it. What really started that, though? Why did that become such a hub in the beginning? There was a guy named Sterling Dickinson who moved there, I think, in the 30s, and he started an art university. And a lot of people after World War II took advantage of the GI Bill and came down there for an education, mm. and it turned into kind of an artist colony. Gotcha. It kind of still is, too, but probably not as much as it was 20 or 30 years ago. There's definitely that, that hipstery, artsy yeah. segment of it, but it, right. it doesn't describe the whole city at all. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you speak a little bit on, I know you run a little bit of a, uh, a mezcal 
ah. business, you might say. Absolutely. Anybody who's talked to you for more than 10 minutes probably knows this. <laughs> Some people might still be recovering from it right now. Um, but how did you get in, interested in the mezcal thing? Because I think you told me you didn't even really drink much until you know later in life. Oh, I drank. I well, just not, didn't drink not, not liquor. liquor. Yeah. I was a craft brewed beer guy. I got here one weekend after I moved here. I went to an event at Parque Juarez in, in San Miguel, and there was a young guy selling... He had all these bottles of clear liquid, and I thought, well, what is it? Mezcal. And uh, I had a little taste of it, and I was like, what the hell? I could not, but I'd never had anything so amazing. He gave me another one, and I thought, well, I like mezcal now, you know? So eventually, he had Cecilia. My wife is here in the back, a Mexicana from Torreon. Uh, he had us come down to, uh, to Oaxaca, and uh, I just fell in love with it. We'd go out to the Palenques. We'd watch how they would make the mezcal, and then I thought, you know, I can... Uh, I can have you send this to me. I can bottle it, and I can sell it to all the gringos in, in uh, San Miguel. To all these it. suckers that come yeah. down and have no oh. idea of what prices oh. should be. <laughs> oh, they love it, though. They love it. So I put it in bottles, and I thought, well, I better create a label. And so I thought, well, how about, you know, wink, wink. And so the bar at this place, or the, the, the bartender at this bar in Oaxaca said, that's Guinho. Guinho, Guinho. So that's the name of my little marca, my little brand, Guinho Guinho. It's under the table, all among friends, no taxes, <laughs> completely unregistered. <laughs> so easy to get these libertarian claps. <laughs> um, last thing I want to ask both of you guys maybe is if there's anybody that's here today or just listening later on that has thought about, you know, maybe there's better prospects for me somewhere else, somewhere relatively easy to go if you're in the U.S. Probably this is the maybe the easiest place to go if you're in the U.S. between the geography and the fact that there are literally no fucking questions asked when you come here. It is just bienvenido. Come the fuck in. So, but what, what would you tell to anyone who hesitates who thinks, well, maybe it's just not for me? Like, what, what would you say to them as just the first step to take to think if, if some, for someone that's just entertaining this idea of maybe my life doesn't have to be based around my, not only my hometown or even my home country necessarily? Yeah, so I, I, I talk to people. This is basically what I do all, all the time is I talk to people that are in this type of uh, situation and they're thinking about, you know, should I go uh, somewhere else or, you know, pick up and completely sell my house and all this type of thing. And what I normally recommend is that you, you don't take it that seriously, that you'd start, you know, do a Airbnb for three weeks you know, uh, or something like that. And you could come down to Mexico, you could try out uh, two or three different areas and just try it out. You know, it's not that serious. Well, maybe if you're in Canada and like you're <laughs> going to get can't fucked. go back. Yeah, right. So maybe that is kind of serious. I can understand that. But for the most part, what I've been trying to tell people for 10 years uh, is that you would just come and ease yourself into it, that it doesn't have to be necessarily like I'm going to, you know, take all my kids out of school, sell my house, you know, and it's, it's a big deal. And I understand how that could be a big deal. Um, but for the most part, I think it's better just to try it out and, um, you know, have a, a sec, you know, a plan B basically. Right. It doesn't need to be your full throated commitment. You can just entertain the idea. But then when, if you get to some point in your life where wherever you are is untenable, now you've at least maybe know more. You're more comfortable to be able to take that step or more, more comfortable to take the next step. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just think that uh, people need to think about, this is uh, Sovereign Man and a lot of the flag theory type people have been saying is that you want to have a second option 
you know, an, uh, 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 Plan B. And uh, I think that it's made obvious uh, within the last couple of years that, like, this is not a joke. Like, mm. yes. <laughs> I don't know how else we need to uh, put this in people's uh, faces, and you know, like, it's not practice time anymore, kids. It's not, exactly. Yeah. Like, you, we're in the ball game serious. now. Like, yeah, yeah. Jonathan, anything to add? Yeah, I was going to say, it's a very common expression when you take the steps to move someplace else, in my case, many of us, Mexico, that you wake up maybe the morning after you get there and you say, what the fuck have I done? <laughs> my daughter's doing that a little bit. We've all had those moments. It's, so you got to get comfortable with the idea that there might be some uncomfortable elements with it. But you acknowledge the reasons why you're going there and it is th that stuff doesn't last long. All of a sudden, the beautiful reasons why you did relocate become more and more obvious. And I have to say, it's one of the best and most important things I've done in my entire life. I'm grateful for having done it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, gentlemen. Appreciate it. That is an epic, epic podcast. Epic, yes. All right, Kitty Cats, time to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors at iTrust Capital. You've heard me talking about these guys for quite some time now. They've been a tremendous sponsor, and I really want to encourage you guys, if you are investing in cryptocurrencies or if you are looking to invest in cryptocurrencies, to check out iTrust Capital. These guys help you do this not only very easily, very cheaply with the lowest fees in the industry, uh, but you can actually do that through their traditional IRA setup to protect those gains for your future. And now there is literally Literally, starting today, there is no better time to sign up for an account with iTrust Capital. Why? Let me tell you why. Starting today, they are removing their monthly fee. So you can sign up and you do not have to pay any monthly fee for doing so. Also, they are now giving $100 worth of Bitcoin to everyone that signs up through our link and funds their account. You can find that link at itrust.capital slash lions. That's right. $100 of free Bitcoin for signing up and funding your account. And now there are no fees. So this is literally the best time to sign up for iTrust Capital. Go check it out at itrust.capital slash lions. All right. Who am I going to bring him next? Hey, Buck, what about you? What about good old Buckles Johnson? Come on up, pal. <laughs> this guy's been waiting for his big moment this whole yeah. day, all day long. This guy actually tried to butt me. He's like, hey, my podcast is up next. I'm like, I don't think so, pal. Yeah. Pretty sure I'm on the schedule two hours ago. It says four o'clock, counterflow. See, this guy, I don't know if you guys have discovered this. It's not really a schedule so much as a schedule. It's a, We're on Mexico time, and I'm allowed to say that. I married into a Mexican family. I'm allowed to make fun of Mexico things. But Mexico time is a real thing. It is a legitimate thing. Tuesday at 12 p.m. means probably sometime Tuesday at some point. All so right, that's right. that's pretty much the schedule we're, we're on pretty well. But this is Buck Johnson of Counterflow, everybody. I'm sure you know that. <laughs> Buck, first most obvious question, where did you find your steroids today at the pharmacy? They're expensive here. <laughs> no, but like, this is the real thing. They did actually offer you steroids earlier. They did, yeah. Right, yeah. I went in just to check out the pharmacy, and she immediately opens up this book of steroids. <laughs> You're like, why and don't you think like, I'm here for ketamine? What the fuck? Do I need them? I did <laughs> do inquire. Do I look like I need steroids, ma'am? I, I inquired on the price. They're pricier here than in the States. She was very kind. And then even as I kind of walked away, she goes, here's a 10% up card if you really do decide to come back in. <laughs> you got an actual card? Yeah. That's fucking awesome. So right. guys, if you need 10% off steroids, yeah. <laughs> I do have a card. Is it only for steroids or is it off your entire uh, cart? She seemed to think that's all I would want. <laughs> the irony of it all is that I just had a headache. 
from last night. So and you, they have plenty for that there as they well. They do, yeah. And it was just not on your menu. Yeah. HGH <laughs> did not fix it. Uh, so, Buck, you live in Austin, so you, or not, not in Austin, I should say. Yeah. You used to live in Austin, is that right? And then about what about a year and a half ago, you moved out. Yeah, I was in Austin for twenty-two years, and it sucks now for those of you who have not been lately. Um, and then I moved out uh, to a town thirty minutes south east of Austin. See, this is all relative, though, because I was just in Austin, and we met up there, and to me, it, after having been in Los Angeles for the last 17 years, and where the last year and a half of that, I had to wear a mask every single day at work, any store I went into, any car I went into, Austin was a f- breath of fresh air, li- quite literally to me, because I could keep my mask off everywhere, even on the few occasions I had to go into an Uber, and I would get in, and they would kind of have it around their chin, and I'd, I'd be like, you don't really care, like, you don't really, it would be good, and that would never, they would call the fucking cops on me if I did that in Los Angeles, if I tried to remove a mask, so it's all very relative, because I'm sure to you, Austin has probably turned into a blue hellhole, but to me, it's like <laughs> a, a paradise of freedom compared to where I came from. Yeah, it, I've heard that from other people. You know, there's other guys like Michael Malice that moved down. And relative to New York City, I suppose, he's like, oh, my God, I love it here. And I just think, like, what well, sucks. Like, you should have been here 20 years ago. It really was wonderful. And now it's just a tent city uh, mess. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I went back to Los Angeles, sadly, for a few days a couple weeks ago to work on something. And... I was staying downtown where everybody knows about Skid Row. It's like a thing where homeless people are. But it always used to be a place where, yes, there are people who don't have homes who seem like they went down on their luck and are relatively harmless. Now you can't walk. Literally, I, I didn't take one walk in the whole time in about five days. I didn't walk to a store, walk to a restaurant, walk anywhere without literally having my fist clenched, fist clenched, ready to rock if I had to, because people would come close and scream and yell. And it is like, it's a, it feels like you're living in a city of zombies, not just a zombie, not, not just mass zombies, which are everywhere, right. but literally it's, it is like you're in the fucking walking dead when you're walking down the street. And I can't imagine having a, a wife, a child or anything like that in a place like that right now. It is just unbelievable, specifically in downtown LA. And it's, I have no question here. No, well, it's it's <laughs> funny, isn't it? Run by a type of person that's that pretends to care about women and and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. but you wouldn't want to have one walk through that. Uh, Austin downtown, Austin's similar. I'm a firefighter. Um, oops, I'm not supposed to say what city it's for. I don't. I won't say what city it's for. But in downtown Austin, um, they do a drug called K2, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with. That's the homeless population eats that shit up. Um, it's very cheap. You can roll it into these cigars, that like $2 cigars. Do they have that at the pharmacy here? Or is that... Oh, maybe <laughs> it's more expensive. We'll go look later. Um, but yeah, I can still... I, I can smell it. Like, And it's just the cigar smell when people buy these cheap $2 cigars. It, that's the smell. But they roll K2 into it and it literally makes them zombies. And so that's... So I wonder if that's what... We, even, we would call it the K2 lean because it was like defying gravity. These guys... A demonstration here, to, folks. Yeah, if I do it, I'll fall. If you're on K2, though, you could get pretty fucking diagonal. It's amazing. And yeah, that's, awesome. that's the wonderful <laughs> live music capital of the world, Austin, Texas. And there are a bunch of zombies leaning over. And if you get near them, they puke on you. It's, it's wonderful. In the entertainment district in downtown Austin. <laughs> I just, I just want to try some. Um, now, 
I, I'm kind of curious. This came up earlier in uh, Clint's podcast with Anthony, and it's it's kind of like the talk of the town on Liberty Twitter. It's this whole, as they call it, the post-libertarian thing. You might be partly responsible because you did hold, you did host a podcast with, or it was a live stream, I believe, with that in the title, and then that's kind of become the pejorative or you know a label for a certain segment of people. I, I guess you might say. But what do you think? I, I don't even care as much about the ideas behind it as much is about how people are reacting to, to that set of ideas. How you might say, cause I, I see it very interestingly because I, as I've explained before, I, I kind of see myself as the watcher of the Liberty movement. I just kind of view things that are happening. I try to report as accurately of people as views as I can. I, I think that's why a lot of people have lumped me in with that set of beliefs, whatever it is. Cause I try to accurately portray them, but you know, to me, it's like I'm always interested in new ideas. I'm always interested in where things are going logically. And I always want to, and that's why I became a libertarian in the first place. So when I see people I respect whose opinions have mattered to me for years and years talking about new th- things in a new way, I'm interested then. So that's, that is why I became interested in, in, the, in the, this conversation originally. But what's really struck me about it is not necessarily the conversation itself. It is a lot of the reaction to, to the ideas because I – can say I used to be one of those libertarians, one of those annoying libertarians who would jump into a Facebook conversation and call people a statist and flip out about anyone saying anything off the fucking reservation of things that I thought were true. And I see a lot of those same patterns emerging. And I think that's why I can speak to it because I used to be like that person. And I see a lot of people reacting in the same ways. doesn't mean one idea is right or wrong, but it is a sort of a reactionary thing that I do notice. Do you, do you see that in a lot of the conversations you have? Because it's no secret you and I have both entertained, I would say, a lot of those conversations. Uh, for the most part, I actually see positive stuff. In fact, uh, there's a gentleman in this room right now that I spoke with last night, and he said, I don't usually listen to podcasts over and over, but I listened to the one on your show when you had Matt Erickson. I've listened to it three times. and This man needs help wherever he is. Um, <laughs> I do have a guy I can talk to you about K2 later. But. And I will, yeah, I will also say the first time I had Matt Erickson on, for, and for those who don't know, he, he's also a name that's thrown into this post-libertarian group. He's a co-host on Jason Stapleton's Wealth, Power, and Influence. Uh, the first time I had Matt on, I, I was blown away. I had already listened to him, and, and we were communicating offline, and I loved it, and a very powerful name in our circles um, I, I, which I, I shouldn't say because he did this in private, but he called me Oops. and said, my God, that guy was amazing. He's been, he's saying things that I keep thinking. I can't believe Ron Paul called you. That's yeah, it was, crazy. It, well, it was Mrs. Paul. No. <laughs> um, and so she I, stopped baking brownies to call I, I love the conversations. I think that, um, like a lot of things that they get twisted and straw man, uh, and people will make things up a little bit or twist things of stuff some of the stuff people have said uh and then then it kind of gets becomes a pejorative at that point um is it's funny mark you said uh, you, you you brought this up and, and i'm gonna have mark on when i host this stuff later as well as clint i have to say, have to say and so in my notes in my notes it literally says talk about mark being the the watchman and, and watcher is the technical watcher term. okay well the watcher, the voyeur, um, and, and, and lead voyeur. into the post-libertarian discussion. I, I guess we're doing that. I can scratch that off of my notes. But I, I also think, and I've said this, and I kind of got in some trouble recently when I had James Corbett on. Mm. 
I he thought, is my Monday episode, by the way, as well. So tune into Lions Liberty on Monday for a, an interview with James Corbett. And hold that thought, because I, I have to ask you a question about that. Um, Off air or on air? On. Okay. All right. Well, here we um, are. <laughs> I, I think libertarians, and I was this way, and maybe I still am to an extent, have their own three by five index card of allowable opinion. And that's what and, you were agreeing with, what you thought you were agreeing yeah, with him saying. For those that aren't aware, James Corbett brought... I thought that's where he was going with this when he was on my show. It ended up that he was taking a swipe at Tom Woods. Uh, I didn't know he was going there, and I, I started praising as he <laughs> said it. And then I was like, "Whoops!" Um, you can see the if you actually watch the whole, you can see the moment where he realized, yeah, "Oh like, no!" He was like, and boy, did I get some shit for that a lot. Um, did you see Tom after that though? Were you at an event with him? I was. And how did you uh, discuss this at all? We didn't. <laughs> The Fair next, enough. The next episode I put out, I I apologized to Tom for making any sort of reference that I thought was a dig at him because I have nothing evil or bad or uh, who could have bad. anything bad to say to, to, right. about Tom Woods. Like, well, now I can because I saw him at the <laughs> event. And we didn't talk to each other. No. Um, <laughs> and then he put a tweet out the other day that said something. It was a meme, and it said, "I don't like ending the year with on a bad note with people. You better apologize to me. You know who you are." <laughs> and it's an at buck Rebel and it's like when act. yeah and it's like when you read a horoscope or something and you're like that's me <laughs> i don't know who it was for it's tom if you're listening i'm sorry <laughs> i i apologize to you on the episode with bob murphy i thought you would have heard that one maybe anyway, it was for james corbett specifically i think so because corbett really was taking a swipe at him i was not he did make a similar comment on my show but he didn't mention the three by five card so i didn't decide to bring that up again but i, I what what he was really trying to say there and in his case, it wasn't a swipe at Tom Woods. But what he's trying to say overall is th what he was attacking was the idea of people acting like these things that we're experiencing the last year and a half, the masking, the social distancing, the vaccine mandates. It's just a bunch of goofballs dancing around that don't know what they're doing. Politicians, ugh, oh, they just, no offense, Anthony, they just calculated the economics correctly. But you even said that you've started to think differently about this. And... It's so obvious to me that it's not. Yes, there are a bunch of goofballs all along the way up and down, and probably most of them are honestly maybe ninety percent. But there's a ten percent above those fucking goofballs that absolutely know what the fuck they're doing, yeah. and it's very very naive to act otherwise. And that's when he was. All right, my first applause for a podcast in my life, actually. Yeah. Can I remember this moment? That's, Thank you. That, that's the John Stossel way of looking at politics. Yes. And, and yes. I. I, a lot of us got in, you know, when I was young, I would watch, I would wait on 60 minutes, I think it was, for the John Stossel segments. And it, it was valuable. It's like a gateway drug of sorts. But mm -hmm. yeah, to look at like, can you believe the government's just so ineffective? What a bunch of dummies! <laughs> yeah, it's like funny. All the stuff, <laughs> the bad stuff that they want to happen, it keeps happening. They think the minimum wage r helps people. And then you're like, yeah. <laughs> right. These dummies. If they only could look at these charts we make, yes. that that was. If a joke. only they understood the economic. I don't know what yeah. this impression is. It's obviously not John Stossel at all. It's like Ron Paul drunk or something. I don't know what. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> Damn, that was good. It was okay. Well, we'll, we'll roll with that. Um, what else? What else is on your mind? But what else is on your podcast checklist that you would like to just get out of the way? No, I'm not showing you. I've got I've got some good secrets to bring out with you and Clint. Where the hell is secrets? Clint? Ooh, I like secrets. Clint, yeah, he's a Fed. He's we out. <laughs> he, he's on a Zoom call right now. Um, 
I am curious you, like how you said you moved out of Austin, but you moved, you're not that far out of Austin, like 20 minutes. Is there that big a difference in your yes. lifestyle only being 20 minutes away? Yes, huge. Um, it's a small town. I had this discussion last night too. Part of what keeps the, the wealthy left white people from Austin to, uh, from moving there is the school system's historically awful in, in Lockhart, in my city, my town. Which is a positive. It's interview. a positive. <laughs> because when I have a kid... Checkbox is shitty yeah. schools? The kid's not Come going to the in. public school system anyway, and it keeps these wealthy liberals from Austin going, you know, they're always proud to say, my kid goes to blah, blah, blah. Well, no one wants to say that in Lockhart. Right. So s for some reason, it just <laughs> stays bad. And I know a lot of us think that in general, public school systems suck, but this one's really bad. Um, so... Yeah, I love that. And it's so peaceful. <laughs> is, is that where you're going to run so your campaign quiet. on? Your, your city council? Keep our schools shitty? Yeah, I should. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I have ideas for the campaign, too. But uh, th those since, are since we have you on the spot, and this has been discussed on Twitter, and on, but is this a real thing you're definitely doing or just think something you're toying with doing still? I'm exploring the city council thing, and it's a 95% chance that, that I will do it. So... <laughs> How many tequila shots will it take to get Buck to 100% tonight? That's the question. That's the question. We'll play that game. How, okay. how much K2 should I smoke? <laughs> how much HGH should we buy I'm for I'm leaning guy? towards doing it. <laughs> That's what we call a callback in the comedy biz. Yes. You should probably be opening up tonight, Buck. I gotta say. <laughs> um, 30 seconds. Anything else to say? Then I think I'm going to see if Anthony here wants to chat. Yes. I love, he loves my sloppy seconds. Come on up, Anthony Samaroff. <laughs> All right, gang, got to take one quick break to tell you about our amazing, wonderful friends and supporters over at Lorenzotti Italy. Lorenzotti Italy is the number one place for you to stop and order some fine, premium Italian coffees delivered right to your door in these neat little tins. And if that wasn't enough, you get to do so knowing you're helping a sponsor of this program. And if that weren't enough, you get to order using your Lions of Liberty discount code. That discount code is ROAR, and it gets you 10% off your order. So head on over to Lorenzotti.coffee and use discount code ROAR for 10% off some fine premium Italian coffees. Mm-mm-mm. Yummy, yummy, yummy. And thirds, fourths, and fifths. It, I gotta yeah. say, it's an absolute treat to meet Anthony Samaroff in person. I've known him for a few years via podcasting, and if you think he's funny on a podcast, he's just a totally hilarious human being to encounter. I will say that. That is a compliment. <laughs> Thanks. The man's got a, a subtle humor that you don't realize is humor until three hours later when you're laying in bed a little too high at night. You're like, oh, that was a fucking joke! Oh my god, this guy's hilarious! I thought he was an asshole. I uh, really cool. date some people who are pretty slow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I, apparently I was one of them. So, uh, But Anthony, you, uh, I, I want to kind of elaborate on something you talked about before in the podcast with Clint when you said you do or did used to have that idea of more like a lot of things that you see happening, like all the negative things with government, et cetera, are, you know, it's a lot of people, which I, I think is mostly true probably, not understanding economics properly, maybe having just following their incentives. But you said the last year and a half is when you kind of I'm not saying you thought differently, but it, it made you. It, it turned on your conspiracy mind a little bit more. What I what I, what I meant, maybe I wasn't clear. Yeah, as th that's why you're here to clarify. As, 
what we have what i thought what we have could be predicted mm. by e- economic incentives including stuff like people getting elected into power who know that the minimum wage harms poor people but they don't care they'll say that they don't believe that because it's going to get them elected like you could completely predict that's the kind of thing that would happen because public choice theory does predict that it says well you know um, as soon as you go into office well you want to keep your you you've got you face economics incentives you want to keep your position maybe you want to rise to a higher position right i mean i've got a story of the state where i think like when people were impoverished you couldn't tax someone 10% of their income because they'd be like well you're taking food out my baby's mouth mm. so i want now we're so rich in comparison you can tax people 40 50 percent because they've still got a nice house they've still got a tv they can still send the kids to school right what are you going to do with all that money well you're going to find a way to buy allies so you colonize the education system you colonize the universities you get people to come up with harebrained theories like social contract um, the, the university professors play the role that priests played under monarchy when they said, oh, there's a divine right of kings. Then what Do you, you see like modern day scientists in a similar vein where they're kind of seen as the role of priests. It seems like science has, has just fallen right in line with that idea of like the, the professors being well, priests. I mean, in, in the medical industry, this is evident, right? In the... In, all the ads on TV in the evening are like big pharma ads. And they're not just doing that to sell drugs. They're doing it to buy favorable coverage. Mm. So they can't expose big pharma on the evening news because that's their source of income. The journals are funded by pharmaceutical con- uh, ads. So the journals will not print articles that show that drugs have bad side effects and things like that. Sometimes people release a study that says vaccinated populations have more asthma or eczema or or whatever. And then they go and bully the journal until the journal retracts the article. And then if anyone brings up, well, you know, this journal was published, published this paper that said, you know, people who are vaccinated have more incidences of colitis. Oh, that, that, um, that paper was retracted. Of course it was. Mm. So, but all of this can be, uh, I'm, say, I'm not saying that there's no evil, malicious thought that goes into these things. I'm just saying you could completely predict that people with those malicious, evil thoughts will be in positions of power when you have states because that's, you know, that's what the economics, what, that's what you could basically predict the machine to turn out. Of course they're going to have people permanently on welfare because those are the people who are going to vote for them. Of course the more money they have, the more government departments they're going to create because the more people they put in government jobs, the more people are going to support the existence of states. That's kind of what I meant when I said most of what we see should be predictable by economic incentives. Not that I had a naive view that everyone was just like a bit ignorant or... Yeah, I didn't mean to lump you in with that. Or acting on on best intentions. Mm -hmm. No, but it's fine because if I didn't articulate that well enough, Mm -hmm. then it's good that you brought it up because then I can articulate it better. Which yeah. hopefully I did. Yeah, well, yeah, I think that that did make a lot of sense. I, I think like what what struck me is that you said like it, it did start to tickle your con- 
conspiracy brain a little right. bit more. Not that that means that they're. I, I think they're both can be true at once. Yeah. Ultimately. Like well, you can, now it looks more orchestrated than ever before. Sure. Right. So yeah. it's kind of like hard to look at everything that's like you said. It's like, oh, gee, that's strange. All <laughs> these things they said they want to happen kind of happened. <laughs> Oh, that's weird. The thing they just wrote a fucking book and, a, and did a podcast about is actually occurring in the exact same way they said. Yeah, maybe that's not an entirely a coincidence, right. but there are you can still follow the actors along the way that are just sort of following their bad incentives from the system either way, no matter what's really driving what's at the top, if that's a fair summary of, of your views. Yeah, something Actually, like that. that was totally I, wrong. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck is going on. If someone wants to tell me, I'd be happy to hear it. What the fuck is going on, Mark? <laughs> Bro, if you're looking at me for these answers, you are in the absolute wrong place in life. That's all I can tell you. Um, no, but I mean, I think it, one thing that is very clear over these past years is like, it's hard to not have at least an element of a, con a conspiracy mind at this point. That doesn't mean smoky room, although maybe they're in a smoky room. If I was in a room, it, there would be smoke in it, most likely. Um, <laughs> but, to, to, you know, we can't just think that this is all benign, right. is the point. And maybe a lot of it is just bad incentives being followed by bad actors. But there, there is some point of it where, yes, when, it, when, a, when every country in the world reacts in the same way overnight – yeah, there's probably some evidence there's this, there's some coordination here. It's probably not just 190 goofballs yeah. goofing their way around to these dumbass policies. I mean, what is a conspiracy? It's just people getting together to... This is a conspiracy right here, right now. Just people getting together to plan to do something illegal. Of course, conspiracies happen all the fucking illegal time. Here? It's not, you know... I was just thinking to myself, that wasn't meant to be out loud. Are we doing anything illegal here, guys? No, because we're in Mexico and there is nothing illegal. Move on. No, no. The thing is, all countries are corrupt, but Mexico is like equal opportunities corruption. Yes, everyone, that's a great way to put it. Everyone has access to the corruption. <laughs> in America, only elite people have access to the corruption. Now, if you've got a bit of dinero... Money talks, bullshit walks. You've got access to you've got access to the same amount of corruption as everyone else does. That is the the absolute best way to describe Mexico I, I've maybe ever heard. Because if you just looked at the laws of Mexico, perhaps you know, just to compare them to the United States, maybe you would think Mexico is a much less free country. But then you have to realize that the laws are not fucking enforced at all here, hardly, or they are extremely selectively enforced. Right. And almost, it, it is true, like almost, my wife was even telling me, like, practically nobody is in jail here except extremely poor people because they would rather be in jail because they get a free place to stay. Most people just buy their way out of jail for right. very little. So this is the thing. It's better to be able to buy your way out of having to follow a law than to have no way... Out. I mean, right. from a libertarian perspective. So it's like you're more free because, you know, life's a ripoff and then you die. Do you know what I mean? At least you can just pay the fucking ripoff. Do you know what I mean? You're more free in a country where, like, in some countries, in some of the poorest countries in the world, if you want to start a business, it can take anything from six months to 36 months to get a license. The cops can come over and hassle you anytime. The government can take the business away from you. Here it takes There's, some tortillas and a, right. and, a, and a cardboard table. So, so yeah. So if you live in a country like Colombia where you can just rent out a space and start pouring drinks and maybe pay off the police a bit, you're freer than you are in the United States where that's not legal and you have to go through a whole planning process just to open up a bar. It's like, okay, yeah, you might have to pay some rip-offs. I was once on a ski um, 
on a skiing holiday and I spoke to a guy. He said he, he was from South Italy, but he didn't live there anymore. And he said, you know, if your bike gets stolen in the South of Italy, you'd never go to the cops, right? Mm. You just go to the local mafia guy. Right. The next day, the bike will be leaning against your wall. End of story. And that just goes to demonstrate that states are just the most successful mafia in a geographic territory. Nothing more. It just so happens to be that in southern Italy, the real mafia is the most successful mafia, <laughs> not, the, not the government. In North Italy, the, the government's the more successful mm. of the two. Uh, one thing I want to talk to you about a little bit before we wrap up is kind of that this journey you've been on the last year and a half. Like you haven't been back to your homeland in quite some time. Is that right? Yeah, about 14 months. And 14 I months. Yeah, I don't see myself going back anytime earlier than March. Did you get out right when, so like right when after COVID started or, or what? Yeah, so about October um, of, of that year, just before I went to America, they put on like some curfews for bars and I was like, okay, I was going out anyway. But yeah, they went back into full lockdown and I was just like, look, I'm not going to stay at, I'm not going back to Scotland to stare at four walls all winter. That sucks. So, you know, I started traveling a bit and then I started going to libertarian events. A few people invited me. Once I got invited, I started writing to some events and saying, hey, would you like to have me? And a lot of people were like, yeah, that would be great. And the more I did, the more people saw what I was doing. So the more I got invited. And I just made friends all over the United States. It's been amazing. And then um, recently you have departed the United States and that's an issue now. Yeah, that's an issue because now you can't get, if you're a foreign national, you can't get back into the United States unless, you're, if you, unless you've had two shots. Mm -hmm. And you only had the one, so <laughs> for some reason, just went halfway. No, but you know, you, you are not doing that. So, like, are, are you, I, I, I know you have seen you talk about a little bit your attempts to because they do have oh, like man. they say they can have exemptions, but it doesn't. Oh, it's oh, been a problem. Scotland, right? Okay, they took away the right of doctors to give give medical exemptions, and then they said, "Phone this government number." And here, I, I didn't ask her to do this. My mother like went on a fucking crusade. She didn't tell me till afterwards. She was like, oh, I spent 10 hours on the phone yesterday. No one knew what the procedure was to get a medical exemption, right? And so, that was you attempting to get one so you could re-enter the US go, without... She was, she, was, she was going from phone line to phone line. No one at the government knew what the rules were. There's no process. It doesn't matter. At the end, we finally found out you had to have had an anaphylactic reaction to a previous vaccination. So you already need to have had an allergic reaction to a vaccine to get a... Which is a weird addiction. admission that vaccines can cause like, bad reactions. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like... It's like that's insane. Once you've already had an allergic reaction to a vaccine, that's too fucking late. So I thought, I naively thought, okay, they're just flexing their muscles. Anyone that goes to their doctor and says, hey, can I have an exemption? The doctor will be like, yeah, you're, you're fine. Because they don't think many people will ask. It's not like that. They've made it incredibly difficult. So th there's this thing where they just want everyone to be vaccinated. It doesn't matter if you've had it before. It doesn't matter if you turned up to some libertarian festival and famously gave it to everyone else. <laughs> And ha, ha, not only do it you have... It doesn't matter if uh, Spreader uh, is part of your anti, name now. And antibodies, <laughs> but 
give everyone else antibodies out of the kindness of your heart. I like right? putting it that way as a gift, a gift of the okay. antibodies. I give you the gift <laughs> of antibodies. <laughs> I bestow upon you. It's a generous man right here, folks. The great gift. He did not keep them to himself. Our mothers passed down from generation to generation. <laughs> I'm not sure what this baby exactly. sucked <laughs> from his mother's nipple. Natural immunity. <laughs> it's true, you know. It's basically Highlander. It's in the milk. Uh, Highlander's such a fucking overrated movie. It's so bad. Uh, we should not go down this path. Jesus the podcast Christ. is winding down, and this is a three-hour conversation, oh. Anthony. So... <laughs> Anyway, I just want people to know, right? Highlander's awesome. When we're talking about, like, I don't like to say anything I can't substantiate, okay? A lot of the evidence, the good evidence that vaccines cause harm is not, this is an old thing. It's very, uh, a lot of it's very cutting edge. There was a study came out in 2017 by Anthony Mawson and one more recently, 2020, by James Leans Wheeler and Paul Thomas or Paul Thompson. I can't remember his name. You can check them out online. You can check out the findings. They basically were able to rank like over 4,000 people in order of how many vaccinations they had. And according to their data sets, the more shots they had, the more like IBS, colitis, mm. asthma, it, all these fucking chronic diseases that suddenly just appeared in 1989 and hardly anyone ever used to have. But all of a sudden, everyone's got all these digestive issues and things, right? Just since 1989, like red line, they just appeared out of nowhere, right? So, I mean, go and check it out. It's not as fucking woo. Like, vaccinations are like a hundred billion dollar a year industry or more. So they don't, like, it's not just a case of, oh, <laughs> sometimes scientists make mistakes. They will go and bully journals that, that, that um, print papers that are critical of vaccinations. They will bully the journal until they retract the paper. They've done it a bunch of times. And everyone just thinks you're a crazy conspiracy theory theorist if you mention it. It is one of the most taboo subjects, even among a lot of libertarian yeah. circles, where... It's one of those things, if you bring up something, well, I'm not going to get into that whole thing because that we, we know that's nonsense, yeah. but... I, 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 didn't, I made sure I didn't say anything about it until I'd done tons of research because I didn't want to talk about it unless I knew what I was talking about. But it's one of these, like, there's a few subjects like fucking uh, vaccinations, Israel, abortion, immigration, where people just lose their shit and can't have a rational discussion about yeah, I specifically um, didn't bring up Israel because Robbie's here and I just don't want to get into the whole thing, but same reason I barely brought up AIDS, but yeah. As, uh, yeah, so anyway, I, I appreciate getting my spot amongst your all-star cast. Frankly, I, I just ran out of options, you know? Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I looked around and said... Hmm, Scrape from the bottom of the bar. How about, an, that, how about a Scottish accent? That right. would work. That it's would work always on this. A great pleasure. It's always a great pleasure to be on Lines of Liberty. Although I don't think it's fucking fair that our debate with uh, Richard Wolfe got under a million views and fucking Gene Epstein's debate with him got like a million views. What's well, that's deal? fucking... Well, everyone right. here can help change that because well, you can still yeah. find it on YouTube. I, had, I hosted Anthony Samaroff debating Richard Wolf. I don't know how many views it has. It apparently is less than a million. So if you want to oh, go double, keep hell? refreshing your yeah. phones tonight until we can get it up to there, that would get, be wonderful. Get, let's make it to a million, guys. We let's can all do it. We actually have the power. I don't know if, how they, if they look at IP addresses no, or spike what. But. Cohen, he's, he's the power. He's got okay. the power. 
I'm asking. I'm hosting a debate between Spike and Dave Smith in a couple weeks. Actually, are you? That's yeah. going to be great. No, nobody knows that except everybody here because we have not announced awesome. it yet. So that should be. You fun. heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Lions Liberty exclusive. Well, Anthony, thank you so much, thank my brother. You Appreciate so much. it. Great. I think I'm going to wrap up because we're about you know seven hours behind schedule here in Mexico. And from that point on, the day was an absolute whirlwind, a blast of a whirlwind. Uh, I appeared on a couple other podcasts later in the day. I was shortly after this on Counterflow with Buck Johnson. So look for that episode. I was on there along with Clint uh, Russell from Liberty Lockdown. We were both discussing our recent departures from California and really had a blast doing that episode with them. So look for that one in a Counterflow podcast feed near you. Uh, also, I did appear <laughs> and put appear in quotes uh, in my mind here <laughs> on uh, Robbie the Fire's Run Your Mouth podcast. Uh, and that was after I had did done some opening stand-up comedy for him. I told you guys, if you want to see Mark Claire stand-up comedy, you have to physically Come to a live stand-up event. Uh, I may actually post the entire thing uh, for our patrons and our local supporters. Uh, so if you're not on one of those, what the heck are you waiting for? You get tons of bonus uh, audio and video content. You would have already had early access to the uncensored version of this Sayulita show because uh, I must say, I did it at tiny tiny teensy bit of editing not too much but there is an uncensored version for patrons for our supporters on local so patreon.com slash lions of liberty if you're a patreon adverse lions of liberty to support your favorite show we also recently did our annual naughty or nice special that one just aired on finding freedom this past week had a lot of fun there probably going to ruffle a few feathers with that one uh, but i also want to mention i uh, at a bonus show for that i tell the behind the scenes insider story about my state of being during my appearance on Robbie the Fire's podcast live from Sayulita. So you can go find that one on the Run Your Mouth feed. You can check that one out. But there is an insider story that only Lions patrons get to know. So highly encourage you to check it out for that reason. Highly encourage you to check out all of our shows here on Lions of Liberty. We do have some changes coming in the new year. Not quite ready to announce them just yet, but things are going to be changed for the better, we believe. Uh, but until that time, or even past that time, they'll still be around. Don't worry. I'm not, we're not splitting up the, the band or anything like that, but uh, you can listen to Brian every single Wednesday on Electric Liberty Land, and you can hear Odie on Thursdays with Finding Freedom. Three shows, one price. The price is free. You can't beat that. And if you want to toss us some funds, patreon.com slash lionsofliberty or lionsofliberty.locals.com. We appreciate all the support, all the downloads, all the podcast shares. We are here to roar into this year coming up here. All right. And we're going to do it. We hope to have you here with us. Until next time, my friends. Live long and live free.